What's up, guys? Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, as well as Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez, with me, Arif Dean, and of course, you know, Patrick Stedman making us sound good. Um, Arif, we got two games since the All-Star break, two more wins to talk about, right? It's not getting old because winning never gets old, but it, it's again, I mentioned this already a couple podcasts ago. It's tough to continue to critique and analyze this team when there's so much good going on with it. So we're here to recap the last couple games Tampa Bay win at home and a Dallas win on the road. So, Arif, it's Super Bowl Sunday here. How are you doing today? How excited are you to uh, get to watch your team's former quarterback? I know you're a big Detroit Lions fan. I, I'm, I, I don't know about the big Detroit Lions fan part. I don't want to big say that. Time. To call to call anybody a big Detroit Lions fan is to say that they need therapy, they are depressed, and they are not happy with anything in life. So let's stay away from those words until they actually win a playoff game in my life as a human. Um, but yeah, I'm, pre- <laughs> I'm pretty pumped to watch the Rams. I'm pumped to watch. I mean, put it this way. Matt Stafford is a quarterback. Eminem's performing at the halftime show. This is about the closest Detroit's gotten to anything normal in regards to the Super Bowl in like football history they're just there it's it's been a terrible stretch but you know what i'm happy for stafford i'm happy to watch this game and i love early avalanche games super bowl or not it's 3 p.m and we're recording on a sunday and the game's already over they've they've already shut out another team and and they're they're playing playing great Yep, while this day is supposed to be dedicated to a football type of sunday you and i are going to turn it into a hockey sunday every single chance we get. Um, But yeah, Broncos fans are with you, right? They've got Von Miller, so they're kind of watching their ex play in the Super Bowl as well, so that's kind of fun. And one last thing I wanted to ask you about before we get into the uh, meat and potatoes of the podcast, I don't know if you got the chance to hear this week's hockey show, but I had the chance to boo you and the University of Michigan on it. Oh, Jesus, what happened? (laughs) What'd you do? I think we were talking about Strauss Mann, the USA goaltender. Love him. He's a little guy. But he was fantastic against Canada, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's a, he's a little guy, but he's great. The only, I mean, in my humble opinion, the only reason why this guy does not have a contract in the NHL is because he's six foot and about 165, 170 pounds. Yeah, well, like he's obviously crap, but he's definitely going to get one now. He's right far and away the best goalie in in the uh, SHL, the Swedish Hockey League, right now. Yeah, amazing stats he's putting up, and he's definitely turning heads in this Olympics so far, and hopefully continues to do so as we get towards the elimination round here. But let's get into avalanche hockey, Arif. I want to start with the Tampa Bay Lightning game. Um, I know you don't like to start, you like to start with the most recent happenings, but I want to go back to the Lightning game because we were talking about litmus tests, right? And heading into that game, or if, or was it after? I mean, I've done four shows in the last five days. It's all blending together here. It's, it's been a lot of podcasts, but yeah, that one was a statement game regardless. So, so I see yeah, so going. getting back to that Tampa Bay game and now looking in hindsight, do you feel that it was a good litmus test for Colorado to compare themselves against Tampa Bay? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's the two-time defending cup champs that are also still relevant and one of the best teams in the NHL. And you know, have a lot of game breakers on their of their own. Like, how many teams do the Avalanche play that can match up their superstars against the Avs' superstars? What is it, Toronto and and these guys, Tampa Bay? Like, even Florida. Like, Huberto's great. You can match him up. You know, kind of up there, but he's not McKinnon caliber. And then you have you know Alexander Barkov, who's at an exceptional two way center, but you know he's also a notch below. But Tampa Bay's got those guys that you can 
you know, compare starting from Victor Hedman on that Kale McCarr scale. And, you know, actually, let's change that around. Kale McCarr on the Victor Hedman scale. I don't want to disrespect Victor Hedman as as the amazing defenseman he is. And then you got Kucherov, who I don't even think we talk enough about how great a hockey player that guy is. And it's probably because he's missed most of the last two regular seasons. And then you've got... um who else? Steven Stamkos is up there. You know, I would say he's he's a better player than Gabe Landeskog as the captain. Uh, you got Braden Point up there, and then you got up and comers. It's it's a team full of game breakers, and I just listed all these game breakers and didn't even list the best goalie on the planet. You know, he's he's no Strauss man, but he's Andre <laughs> Vasilevsky. He's up there. So uh, the fact that they were able to beat that team the way they did, and for the second time this season, is absolutely a great statement of a victory. Yeah, definitely, especially early on in that game, right, where the Avalanche really felt like they were dominating. Lightning kind of squeaked back into that game, but, I mean, just great stuff from the Avs coming out of the break. But I wanted to ask you this, and and I'm going to say it slowly so that way every word can sink in and you can come up with a good answer here. What's more true? The Tampa Bay Lightning aren't as good as we're used to, or the Avalanche are better than we think? The Avalanche are better than we think. Right. So that's why I, I want to go back to the litmus test here. I think it was an okay litmus test because simply Tampa Bay is, is kind of falling off. What I think is more going on around the NHL, and you saw it today in Dallas, I think the Avalanche are the new litmus test. The Avalanche are getting A games out of a lot of their opponents, and still, even when the, the opponent's pushing and, and fighting and doing everything they can to win a hockey game, it's just still not good enough, Right. Well, let me say this then. If if the Tampa Bay Lightning are in a litmus test, then who is? Because they are, number one, they're third in the NHL in points behind the Avalanche and the Panthers, uh, who, by the way, the Panthers, the Avalanche recently beat at home, lost to them on the road. Then you got the Penguins, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Rangers, the Maple Leafs, the Wild, the Capitals, and the Nashville Predators to round out the top 10. Granted, Nashville shouldn't be in the top 10. They've played a lot of games. Moral of the story is no matter who you are, no matter how good a team you are, you still have litmus tests. So that the I mean the Tampa Bay Lightning are they've not taken a step back. They're they're better this year than they were last year in the regular season. And they've done it with a lot of injuries. Uh you look at their roster on paper and you're like, okay, yeah, they have Perry and Maroon and these guys replacing Coleman and Goudreau and, and Gord. But Perry's on pace for over 20 goals. He's on pace for over 40 points. The most important thing in hockey, and this is the part that we've been talking about for years, is the teams that have the experience are always going to be stronger. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who are on pace for 115, 120 points in the regular season, but are the two-time Stanley Cup champions, are going to scare you a little bit more than the Florida Panthers, who are on pace for the same thing and haven't won a playoff series since 1996. So if the Tampa Bay Lightning are in a litmus test, then who is? There has to be a litmus test for the Avalanche. You can't go into the season and just be like, nothing matters in the regular season, doesn't matter who they beat. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying here is that the Avalanche are the new standard. The Avalanche are the litmus test for other teams across the league. I don't think any teams really compare to this team. You're like I said again. You're I seeing, agree. You're seeing opponents bring everything they can at the Avalanche, and the Avalanche they're phased by it a little bit, but it's not enough to bring them down. The Avalanche overcome everything that they get thrown that get, that gets thrown their way and end up winning. In, I wouldn't say in easy fashion, but they're just running the same play over and over and over and, and pulling out these games. Two things can be true. When the Maple Leafs, the Bruins, and the Lightning, I'm just going to use those three because those are the three strong opponents that have recently played the Avs. When the Maple Leafs, the Bruins, and the Lightnings come to Ball Arena, 
getting a victory over the Avalanche is a great litmus test for them. But on the other side, the Avalanche defeating them is also a litmus test. Two things can be true here. Because if you're the Avs and you're looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning and you beat them the way you did, you did not let them get back in the game. Every time you bent, every time you bent a little bit, you did not break. You led the entire way. You had 24 shots in the first 16 minutes of regulation and you won three to two. You know, there was a little bit of a, you know, clench your butts a little bit at the end, but you didn't let them tie it up like you did coincidentally the Arizona Coyotes of all teams. And then the way you beat Boston, the way you beat Toronto, having to overcome what you overcame in both of those games, Darcy Kemper getting pulled, trailing four to one, and then, you know, Nathan McKinnon getting hurt, trailing three to one. Those are litmus test games too. So two things can be true. The Avalanche are absolutely anybody that plays the Avalanche this season and has for the last 20 games until the 82nd game, it's a litmus test. The Arizona Coyotes getting a victory over the Avalanche isn't going to help them much. Like, it's not a huge deal. Dallas Stars winning, and I know they just beat them, but they got another game on, what is it, Tuesday at Ball Arena. Dallas Stars beating the Avalanche, that could be the kind of game that sparks their season and gets them back into the playoff run. Right now, they're eighth place in the West in that second wild card spot based off points percentage. But they obviously still have to win the games they have in hand over the Anaheim Ducks to get there. And they lost one today. So that's one less game, one fewer game that they have to catch them. So anybody that plays the Avalanche is absolutely a litmus test. But the Avs beating the Tampa Bay Lightning is a litmus test of a game. Playing the Vegas Golden Knights twice this month on the second of a back-to-back, even though Vegas is lower in the standings, it's still the team that everybody looks at in the West. It's the team that beat you in the playoffs. And basically embarrassed you let's let's call a spade a spade the avalanche were were run out of that series outside of game one so two things can be true and it can go both ways i just think you're seeing opponents of the avalanche leave the games defeated not even just okay yeah we lost the game let's move on more like wow that is a, a really good team they over there so we good, were yeah. not even close to bringing uh what we had to bring so yeah, I just think the Avalanche are head and shoulders above the next team in the NHL. Now, you know, that's tough to say with Florida playing the way they're playing and, and you know, the minimal meetings between the two teams. It's tough to say that, you know, that they're head and shoulders above those guys. But it just seems like it the way opponents are just, I don't I, I don't want to say crumbling, but just having such a tough time when the Avalanche are playing well, like they did today against the Stars. I mean, a shutout says it all, right? Against a good team like Dallas, a team that has capable players on it, and not even let them get one goal, not even, you know, let let them take you out physically like they were trying to do, and just taking over the game and and not looking back. It, it was a, it was an amazing game and a, a, just an amazing stretch from this team right here. Everything they're doing right now is is like everything they touch turns to gold, and and that's the great part about what the Avs are doing right now. Uh, Darcy Kemper, you know, he has started each of the last four games since the day that I asked Jared Bednar if his goalies are more of a 50-50 tandem. And he said, no, Darcy's my goalie, shoved it up my, shoved it down my throat saying Darcy's a starter and then played him four straight games. In those four games, uh, Campbell, Jesus, Kemper's led in only five goals and he's got a shutout in those four games. You know, obviously it was Buffalo, it was Arizona, it was Tampa Bay and it was Dallas, but you play the games that are ahead of you and, and that's what he's doing. He's playing excellent. Pavel's going to play here and then a back-to-back's coming soon. McKinnon comes back from injury, pitches in right away. Rantanen plays center when McKinnon's gone, does great at it. Nazem Kadri every freaking game putting up points. Kale McCarr, exceptional pass after exceptional pass if he's not scoring goals, which, by the way, he's got 18 of them, so he's on pace for more than 30. Gabe Landeskog's got eight goals in his last eight games. 
Nicholas Abe Kubel on the fourth line scores a goal today. Valery Nichushkin gets his 25th point in only 30 games. Darren <laughs> Hill on, comes on, back from on. it. Like, it's just everything. I'm sorry. Like, it's just everything they're doing turns to gold. That Nichushkin assist, though. Let's, that's the one where he fell. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying he's got 25 points in 30 games is, is the biggest thing. You just know. An, a funny assist to me is all I wanted to say. I'm yeah, not poo-pooing yeah, yeah, what yeah. you're saying. I just, yeah. just wanted to point out the hilarious point that he yeah. got today. Yeah, they didn't even add it in the beginning. They had to add it later. They're like, all right, I guess we'll give him this one. And, you know, with all those guys playing so well, right, and we saw Nazem Kadri uh, get another goal today, and the other day he tied and now has passed his career high for uh, points in a season. But I'm wondering how much of that has to do with K.O. McCarr, right? Getting the assist on the Kadri goal. I want to maybe give us a little bit of assignment. Let's look back at both the guys, in my mind, Kadri, Nachushkin, anybody else you want to throw in there, go ahead. Let's look back at the, this season so far and all the points that they've produced on their career years. How much of that had A, K.O. McCarr on the ice or B, K.O. McCarr involved in the goal in yeah. some way and or another? You can include Devon Taves in that category yeah, as well. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, yeah. that's definitely something that's that's something that's worth doing. It'll take a little bit of time, so we can't do it mid podcast. But that's right. definitely something worth doing and, and coming back with our with our results. Show your work. Yeah, let's see if we remember because we've never been too great at assigning ourselves Shh, things mid podcast. Don't 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 don't, <laughs> don't don't let don't spill the beans. It sounds like a fun little experiment, though, don't you think? I mean, Kale McCart, that goal that he, or that assist that he had today on Nazem Kadri. I mean, I know everybody on Twitter was fawning over it. I mean, he was on the ice for a long time, and at the end of his shift, he makes that play, beats the entire Dallas Stars team, draws three guys on him because they're like, oh, shoot, Kale McCart's buzzing in on us. But props to Nazem Kadri. It's not like he was just standing there in front of the crease you know, doing nothing. He was moving around, getting making the defenseman lose him and eventually getting away from him when he sucked into Kale McCarr, the defenseman that is. So um, just a- amazing play by Kale McCarr. Nazem Kadri to put it home just because he has the knack for scoring, but Kale McCarr is driving this team. I- I- and I- that's no secret to a lot of people, but I think it's more impactful than we're giving it credit. It's... He he's doing the type of things we haven't seen in the NHL from a defenseman in terms of how he runs a team since Eric Carlson, but you know, within his prime with the Ottawa Senators, I should say. But what's different about what Kale's doing compared to Carlson is and no disrespect to the guys Ottawa had, you know, they had a young Mark Stone even, and that's one of the better players in the NHL now. But Eric Carlson was far and away the most talented and best player on that team. But what Kale McCarr is doing, as silly as it sounds to say it this way, rather than saying, well, he's got a better supporting cast, it's he's playing with all these great players and he's still the one leading the charge. That's what makes what Kale's doing more impressive in my mind. Because we talked about this last time, you know, Roman Yossi is the best player on the National Predators in that story that you and I wrote about, you know, who's the MVP of the season. If Kale McCarr wants to be the best player on a team, that's fine. But being the best player on a team as a defenseman isn't going to get you anywhere if you're playing with, you know, who the National Predators have or who the Ottawa Senators have, and you're the defenseman leading the team in goals, assists, and points, and, uh, you know, hoping to do that in the playoffs playing 30-plus minutes. But what you're seeing from the Avalanche is, you know, my my argument was Kadri should get the MVP because what Kale's doing, you know, is a reflection of the supporting cast he has, but he's the quarterback running this team, not just on the power play, just in general. And this is a team with Rantanen. This is a team with McKinnon. This is a team with Landeskog and with with uh, Kadri. It's got a lot of game breakers. And for him to be the one taking charge says all you need to know about the game he's having this year. 
100%. I'm glad you're in agreement with me on that because for a second I was starting to feel like I'm the only one. Not Again, I, everybody knows how good Kale McCarr is, but I think he is so good that he's absolutely driving the offense of this team. And he's, he's the one that's behind all the great plays they've likely started um, on Kale McCarr's stick. And you're right. You need guys like, like Nazem Kadri who know how to finish. You need guys like Landis Gog, Nathan McKinnon to, to help him get those points. But he's the one that, that's, uh, you know, like you said, quarterbacking. Yeah. He's, what he's doing is, so what people aren't realizing with Kale McCarr, and this is something that you can't even say about Nathan McKinnon. And, and this is not a shot at Nathan McKinnon, but, you know, all-stars and superstars in the NHL come and go. And Nathan McKinnon is, you know, his own type of superstar in this league. But when you look at the forwards in the NHL, the one player that you can look at in the NHL that's like, wow, what he's doing is absolutely incredible and head and shoulders above the rest in terms of just skill and what he does on a nightly basis and how historic he is as a player is Connor McDavid. And when you look at defensemen, that's what you get in Kale McCarr because you do have that group of crazy defensemen, the Roman Yossis. Uh, I'm not going to say Victor Hedman because I think Victor's up there, but you know what Kale's doing at this age is unlike anything Victor did at this age when he was the same age as Kale. But you got the Roman Yossis, you got the Miro Haskinens and the Ivan Provorovs and the Quinn Hughes and all these young defensemen. The kid in Detroit's a stud already, Morvid Sider. All of these young defensemen, Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones before he kind of fell off, but... These guys make up the next group of all-star defensemen in the NHL. And then you got to take a step above them to reach Kale McCarr. So it's the same thing as, as uh, what, you, what you see with Connor McDavid is what you see with Kale McCarr. He is a, like a genuine generational talent. We use that phrase way too much. We use generational talent when Tavares and Stamkos were drafted first overall, when really they are just great NHL all-stars and superstars. Generational talent, those are reserved for the Sidney Crosbys, the Connor McDavids, the Alex Ovechkins, and now the Kale McCars. Typically in a 4 nothing game, or even just a shutout game, who gets the first star? It's the goalie. It's the goalie. Guess who got the first star today in Dallas? Not the goalie. Kale McCarr <laughs> gets star number one. Darcy Kemper was star number two, and Gabe Landeskog was star number three. So um, uh, he had two points today, Kale McCarr did, so you know that that's going to boost him. But you're, you like to see that the opponents are noticing how good and how much pull this guy has with with the rest of his team and and their production yeah it's again it's teams are kind of what you said earlier about how teams are leaving defeated kind of like we gave everything we could and we still didn't give enough that to me is what you're getting when people watch kill mccarr it's holy shit this guy is so much better than i thought he was and in a shift you know the the assist to nazim kadri today number one like you said like it's full credit to kadri for being able to read the play because a skill in his own is being able to play with superstars and read what they're gonna do that's why not everybody works with Sidney crosby or with Connor mcdavid it takes a a random chris kunitz or a pascal dupuis to to fit with sid instead of a jerome mcginlar or phil kessel you got to have a skill and a knack for being able to know what a superstar is doing. But on top of all of that, for Kale to do what he did on a shift where he was already on the ice for longer than one minute, and then to draw three Dallas stars to him and send the puck to a wide open Nazem Kadri through the legs of one of those other guys I just mentioned in Miro Haskinen, you know, one of those superstar defensemen, he made him look silly along with two of his teammates. 
it's incredible what he's doing. People are catching on. And he's, again, man, that the, the Olympics, you know, they started the other day. We just talked about Strauss Mann playing Canada and USA game. That game should have had Kel McCarr's footprints on it. And those are the kind of games that would have made him just an international star. This Olympics was Kale McCarr's coming out party if the NHL was to partake in it. But he's going to take a longer approach of doing it in the regular season with the playoff or, you know, leading up to the playoffs. But he's still going to get there. As as an American, you know, I'd hate to see it, but it'd be interesting to feel that perspective of going against Kale McCarr and kind of, I guess, analyzing him from from a different point of view. That's interesting thought, but guess we'll have to leave that in hypothetical land won't we (laughs) well for me he's always going to be canadian and that's the team i root for so i don't have to do that just you (laughs) uh guys uh we're about an hour and 10 minutes away from the super bowl so by the time you hear this it's gonna be stale but i gotta do it anyway the moment football fans have all been waiting since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 or more and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? Bet on Super Bowl 56 props instead. DraftKings Sportsbook's DraftKings Sportsbook offers a wide range of props throughout the big game. Take your shot at winning cash by predicting props like if a non-quarterback will throw a pass, fourth down conversions, total yardage, and so much more. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code MHS, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 or more and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code MHS at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Do you think Avalanche fans are ever going to stop using the return of the Mac song anytime Nathan McKinnon comes back to the (laughs) Avalanche from injury or sickness, whatever it is? Uh, That'll be forever, and it's going to be used many, many times because that dude is in and out of the lineup way more than he should be. Yeah, it's crazy, but I think the way he plays is is kind of like that, right? It's like Gabe Landeskog when he was younger. It's not the same style, but it's the the style of play that kind of attributes to that, right? He's so fast, he's so violent with the way he does everything. I mean, today you could tell he he had a little bit more umph to him, right? He, it just seemed like he was ready to play that game. You saw during the warm-ups him doing his stick handling, extra violent. Click, 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 click. And that's what's funny. His hands are different than most hockey players right most hockey players have more of a smooth click clack click clack click clack when they're stick handling his is more like click clack click clack click clack click clack so i hope that makes sense and i'm not just clicking and clacking into the microphone here click clack Um, click clack it's it's a great sound for a podcast (laughs) but yeah (laughs) he definitely had a little bit more go to him today didn't he he absolutely did and he was he was pumped to get back in the lineup and you know we saw him on uh what was that last game? The Tampa Bay game. I'm already losing track of days and it's only been two games since the All-Star break. The Tampa Bay game, he came down after the game in the elevator with Joe Sackick. And it was actually hilarious because, you know, the media all got in one elevator and Nathan McKinnon and Joe Sackick got into an elevator full of fans. And walking out of the elevator, you just have fans all around him just like asking, hey, Nate, well, nice to see you. He's just like awkwardly like, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But like he was there. He was there at the game and he was excited to get back and, you know, get going. And he talked about his road to recovery today after this game against Dallas and talked about how, you know, he had to have surgery right away. And there was a lot of neck issues and people he had to see pertaining to that. And it just looks like he was itching to get back in the lineup. And the fact that 
the injury didn't end up being as severe in terms of only missing four games and nothing more. Um, kind of gave him an extra push of, of motivation to just get in and be like, all right, I didn't miss much. I lo- it was only four games. We went 3-0-1-1. We beat Tampa Bay. We're good. Let's, let's do this. So he was so pumped for this game, more than I've seen in past returns. And, and that's what's pretty cool is I think it's the fact of what you said earlier. It's, it's you know, he, he said it today as well. And, you know, he's a man of few words. When you talk to him in media conferences, you better come with your A game when you ask him questions. Otherwise, you'll get one worded. But... Uh, he spoke very high, very, you know, one of those short answers he gave was this team is really great and we're a great team and we've been doing it all year. And I think the more the team gets better, kind of what you said, that they're that new litmus test, the more excited you are to play. You want to come out every single night and just unload on all these teams and just unleash hell on the road for nothing shutout, boom, against a team that's been, you know, had your number for a little while here. It's only the, this is the first time they beat them, only the second time they've played them since the playoff series in the bubble. So... He was really pumped to get back in and you could tell the entire night. And, you know, he obviously committed or not committed, but contributed on the on the score sheet pretty quick, too. All while wearing Carl Soderbergh's old visor. Yeah, that big ass <laughs> thing. long one. Um, but no, I'm curious a little bit, you know, because he said he was a little bit surprised to see that he had some pretty good legs and some pretty good stamina out there against Dallas, right? But what I noticed in his postgame presser is he's still not breathing, right? I mean, his nose is obviously crooked he looks a little bit more like adam foot now but you can hear when he's trying to take a it through his nose that it's 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 not quite as clear of an airway as normal so i think he still has a little bit more to go as far as the nose but to see him perform the way that he did today i mean i'm obviously not worried about it whatsoever yeah and i mean i've never had a nose any kind of nose surgery i know you have but i i would assume that's something that with time is going to kind of get better and you know he'll be good as new in no time yep absolutely um, yeah, anything else on Nathan McKinnon you want to get to before we uh, move on here? He's great. <laughs> That's all I got. I'm You're gonna, giving I'm gonna, me a Nathan I'm gonna, McKinnon I'm gonna, answer. I'm going to one-word you or short answer use. He's great. Just He's beat the goalie, yeah, I guess. Um, I, another thing <laughs> I noticed from his press conference uh, just last second here is, again, the energy. He just has, while he's doing the little bit of attitude and, and one-word answers, he's not... I don't know. He's doing it with a smile on his face. He's, yeah, right? he's happy. He's it's, right. It's really great. He's very cheerful. That's Which the best funny word to use. Because you and I have mentioned how the rest of the team has a chip on their shoulder. Gabe Landis got given us attitude left and right. Mikko Rantanen will look at the ceiling when he's answering our questions. But for some reason, Nathan McKinnon's the cheery guy this year. Gabe, Gabe Landis kind of up and down against Tampa Bay. He was very cheerful and joking around with his answers. And, you know, he kind of he likes to give you a little bit of both of a good cop, bad cop. Nathan McKinnon has just been absolutely delightful to speak with this year just so cheerful it reminds me of the like the change in vibe for philip grubauer from 1920 to 2021 because 1920 grubauer was a lot more standoffish granted that was in the locker room and then you come out of COVID. actually no because even during the bubble grubauer was more standoffish but then you go into this 21 20 sorry 2020 21 season when gruby was you know the Vezza trophy finalist and he's suddenly a lot easier to talk to. He's got a different, more positive and cheerful vibe to him. And that's the same kind of thing that I'm feeling from Nathan McKinnon this year. Absolutely. And then uh, you touched on it a second ago, but Darcy Kemper just is on a new level right now. Let's get into that a little bit deeper. I, I don't think it's exactly like we pointed out last week because of Pavel Francouz. I think that helps. But as Jared Bednar pointed out, he was slowly getting better and slowly getting better throughout the season, had a couple setbacks, and then he just kind of picked up right where he left off at slowly getting better and slowly getting better. But now he seems to be at a level where he's he's taking over games, right? For a while, it was the offense. 
in front of him that was really dominating, but he was the big reason for that Tampa Bay win, especially late in that game. And obviously with a shutout, he's a big reason for the Dallas Stars win. Yeah, so if you remember, uh, so for starters, his career, not his career, but his season stats, I'm struggling today. His season stats Did you this go skiing yesterday? <laughs> no, I just <laughs> had to wake up and watch hockey at a time when I'm usually sleeping in on a Sunday. That's my issue. Um, so his stats this season, he's 22-5-2. and two. He's got two shutouts. Sorry, 23-5-2. He's got two shutouts, and his save percentage is up to 918, which, by the way, is better than his career average of 917. So he had to kind of chip away at that safe percentage to get it to where it is just because of how bad it was to start. But here's where it gets better. You know, remember the, actually everybody remembers this. Remember the December 1st game against Toronto when he had to like suddenly leave with an injury and Jet Alexander was the backup to Johansson? Yep. Okay. So since Kemper's come back from that injury, and this is a pretty big sample size because 23, five and two, that's 30 decisions. So, He's had 16 of the decisions. Obviously, he started some games, but didn't have decisions because he was either pulled for a skate blade issue or for an injury or uh, because he let in a lot of goals. He's actually had all three of those things. But since that game, since he returned from that injury, he's got 16 of his 30 decisions. He's 14-0-2. He's got two shutouts. And again, it's fine. You're 14-0-2. You play in front of a good team like the Avalanche. That's, you know, not, you know, groundbreaking by any means. But most importantly, he's got a 930 save percentage. That's the difference. He's really found his mark since that December game over the last two and a half months, which now that it's 16 of his 30 decisions, it's more than half of his season. More than half of this season, Darcy Kemper's a 930 goalie and the backup is Pavel Francouz and we know how good his numbers are. Yeah, I think he's found a bit of composure, right? I don't find him mm-hmm. being so spastic back there and, and just sliding all over the place like I've pointed out before. But with a goalie acclimating to his team, there's also a factor of the team acclimating to the goalie. And I think that takes a second for them to figure out how he plays and how they can best play around him. So not only was Kemper trying to figure it out, but so was the team in front of him. And now it's just a, a great synergy of awesome hockey and um, you know, obviously, if he can carry this into the playoffs, he's exactly what you need him to be. If if this is the, the version of Darcy Kemper we see in playoff yeah. hockey, I mean, my hot take of the week is the Avalanche suddenly have one of the best goaltending duos in the NHL. So I, I, it's not that hot when you just said fourteen zero and two since his injury. I mean, imagine a team starting off a season fourteen zero and two. I mean, they'd be immediately crowned the best team in the world. Yeah, and the funny thing is, Pavel Francouz obviously. He his season didn't start until after December, uh, December first. So he is seven and one in eight games with a nine twenty seven save percentage and two shutouts. So the two goalies that you're riding over the last two and a half months have a nine twenty seven and a nine thirty and two shutouts each. Like, what more do you want? I know the win loss thing doesn't really matter as much because you know you can be a bad goalie on a good team and go ten and two, and we've seen it. You know, I think Andrew Wright. Andrew Raycroft, not Rycroft, but Andrew Raycroft back in the day started like 10 and 0 with the Avalanche and had terrible save percentage and goals against, but the ads were just scoring a lot more than the opposition and outscoring their problems. They're not doing that now. The goaltending has stepped up. And when you have Pavel with a 927 and Kemper with a 930 since uh, December and Pavel's numbers are much better than that since the new year because the one game he played in December was that shit show in Nashville where he let in five goals coming back from a year-long injury uh, during the COVID outbreak. 
you're looking pretty good in goal right now. So it, it might sound like a, it might not sound like a hot take, but it's also a hot take because I'm still getting people tweeting me about the avalanche going after Marc-Andre Fleury. And I'm like, why, why would you use the cap space you have? And I love Marc-Andre Fleury. Everybody knows that, but why would you use the cap space you have on Marc-Andre Fleury when you have both of these guys playing great and you can go improve elsewhere and, you know, add a Claude Giroux or a Joe Pavelski or a JT Miller, or, I don't know, a Luke Shen on defense. Like there's so many better ways to use that cap space and the assets that it will take to make a trade work for Marc-Andre Fleury. You have two of the better goalies in the NHL right now. Yeah, we were talking about lit- litmus tests at the top of the show, and you even took a second to point out that Andre Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the world. And when Darcy Kemper goes head-to-head with Andre Vasilevsky and bests him, right? I mean, I remember there was a sequence in the first period there. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning had a power play, and Darcy Kemper just made, I think it was a two- or three-save sequence, and, and just great, again, composure and positioning in his crease that— I, I thought that was a major moment of not letting Tampa Bay kind of squeak into the game early. So going head-to-head against Vasilevsky for Kemper and Kemper coming out on top, I think really says everything you need to know about where he is right now. Not saying he's the best goalie in the world by any means, but he is playing the best hockey maybe we've ever seen from him. Yeah, I mean... Put him on a good team, that's going to happen, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, the the the, the top of the tables that I was explaining since December 1st until now... Vasilevsky's 15-4-1, Tristan Jari's 15-4-2, and, and then Darcy Kemper's 14-0-2. So he's he's third on that list behind a couple guys that have obviously played more games because we're starting from December 1st when his injury started. So he had missed the first four games. And uh, Vasilevsky's got a 9-20 save percentage. Jari's got a 9-13. And obviously, as I mentioned, Kemper's got a 9-30. And neither Vasilevsky or Jari have a shutout. Kemper's got a couple of them. So it's looking up for Darcy. I, and and Francis, like you said, the goaltending yeah. tandem as a whole, I think, are just trending the right direction. That I, I, this is my hot take. I think that the goaltending is going to be the best facet of this team mm-hmm. in the remainder of the regular season. That would not it, surprise me one bit. It says a lot, though, with the weapons that this team has. I mean, even the PK was buzzing today, right? Logan O'Connor off the crossbar almost gets another shorthanded goal. They go uh, three for three on the penalty kill. So. That's been resurrected a little bit. So I, I guess, yeah, I'm not crazy to say that the goaltending could easily be one of the best parts because that's what was so big about the penalty kill was Darcy Kemper. Yeah, and, you know, you gave up a ton to bring in Darcy Kemper knowing that he can be this kind of guy, and, and he's proven it. Everybody already loves Darcy Kemper, right? Right. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Right. Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know they deliver? Did I you did. Know, did you know they have curbside pickup available? No kidding. And, and did you know that they do online wine education classes? I did know that. If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Some of our listeners didn't. If Eric. not, then what are you doing? Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself, or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at totalbev.com <laughs> total beverage everything you need and more let's get to uh the games ahead we got two before our next podcast and like you mentioned it's back to backs one with dallas at home at ball arena and one in las vegas so you mentioned pavel francis likely to get one of those starts you think he'll probably face off against dallas here I would think so, and then you're going to give Darcy the game against the Vegas Golden Knights on the road, which would be a big litmus test of a game, and as we had spoken last week, potentially the night Jack Eichel returns. How's that looking? Is that still on pace? 
I've not heard any updates since, but uh, I've heard it now from Greg Wyshynski and I think Chris Johnston was the other person that mentioned it. So, you know, there's a couple of big, big NHL media guys that are in the know and have a ton of connections that are leaning toward that. But I haven't heard anything since the start of the weekend. Vegas doesn't want to, you know, push it or rush it. So if if he's not even feeling even a little bit right, if he's at 99.9%, they're going to sit him. But I mean, this is only one of two games against Vegas this month, so you're going to see Jack Eichel regardless, but you might get him in his debut. Earlier this season, you mentioned how it's not very often that you see four games in one week from an NHL squad. We know that yeah. the schedule is going to start getting a little bit tighter, but they've got four games this week, and then next week, another four games. Now, heading into the All-Star break, we remember how Jared Bednar was pointing out the team was a bit lethargic, both mentally and physically. They're not there yet, but you got to start keeping an eye on that with this heavy schedule. You don't want them getting too tired because you don't have an all-star break coming up anytime soon, right? So it's going to be tough for Jared Bednar to kind of balance that. You know, He's going to want to practice. They barely had any time to practice, but he knows how, uh, uh, not fragile, but this team can get pretty tired pretty easily here. I, I wouldn't say pretty easily. It took a crazy ass stretch right, for them not to easily. get tired. Easily yeah. is the wrong word. <laughs> yeah. I think what sticks out to me more about these eight games in the next two weeks is the fact that only two of them are at home. And both of them are games where you're playing a back-to-back the very next night in Vegas, both times. So even so, number one, when you're on the road, you're always traveling. As soon as a game ends, you're hitting up a flight, you're going out. But they're also traveling the night. So basically put it this way. All eight of these upcoming games, they are going to finish each game with jumping on an airplane. Because of the two at home, you have a game the very next night in Vegas, so you fly that night. The six on the road, you fly to the next city. Granted, they might stay in Vegas an extra night, actually, now that Why I think not? about it. Because, yeah, actually, yeah, they're probably going to fly the same night of a game, seven out of the next eight games, because you play Vegas on Wednesday, you have Thursday and Friday off. So I would assume they're going to stay the night and then fly maybe Thursday night or Friday morning for that game on Saturday. So same thing the next time they're in Vegas, they get two nights off after that. So, you know, if I'm talking about good ways to get a mental recharge, I guess a night in Vegas wouldn't be too bad, right? Twice this month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, yeah. Kale and Kadri are just going to be like, ah, that's old news. We've been there. We've done it. Let's see how they fare. You know, I'm not convinced that uh, the second Dallas game is going to be an easy one just because they beat them today for nothing. I, I think it's really hard to beat an NHL team twice. So let's see how it is despite being at Ball Arena. So a lot of factors going into this one. We'll see the result. Yeah, we will. I mean, it's going to be a fun game. I'm just excited to see Pavel get back in the crease and you know what, man, Nathan McKinnon said it. He, 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 when he mentioned the Tampa Bay game, he said, you know, I got to watch that one in person, like, you know, from the media box with, uh, with Joe Sackick. And he said, I could see why we're selling out every game now. It's so much fun to be a part of it. And that's genuinely the way that I felt the last couple of weeks. You know, I, I don't have the same horse in the race I had as a fan. You know, I don't go in there and cheer for goals. I go in there to watch hockey and the avalanche could come out with a five, nothing loss. And I would still feel like I enjoyed the day because I'm there watching a hockey game. And for the last month or so during this crazy stretch in January and now every single game, it's like must see. It's the best part of my day. Nothing about it. Not that it ever was a chore, but nothing about it feels even a little bit like a chore. It's not something I'm rushing to after work or something where I'm like exhausted and just want to get home afterward. It's just like, this is a lot of fun. This team is great and I'm so happy to be here. And Nathan McKinnon kind of echoed those sentiments. 
Yeah, and following the Tampa Bay game, the crowd and the vibe in the arena was just electric, right? And that's just the way this town gets. When they have a team to really get on board with, they get fully on board. They get loud, they get rowdy, and it reminds me of the old days of the playoffs. So I'm looking forward to more of that energy because that was uh, refreshing to see that you know the fans were deeply engaged and just every step of the way with their team. Yeah, and how many seasons in a row has this been with the Avalanche and the Nuggets both being exciting? You know, we saw the Nuggets yesterday beat the Raptors in a hell of a nail-biter there in the closing moments. Uh, Granted, it was on the road, but it's just, it's my favorite time of the year. You got the NBA and the NHL rushing toward the playoffs. Football's winding down. It will be by the time you guys hear this, obviously with the Super Bowl being over, um, because we are certainly not publishing this before the Super Bowl is over. Um... But yeah, this is this is my favorite time of the sports here. It's going to start to get warm out the spring, the longer days, the shorter nights and more intense hockey and basketball. Yeah. And with the Nuggets, you know, two of their best players have yet to even be part of the stretch here. So if they get MPJ and Jamal Murray back, me thinks Jamal's going to be back in March. So we shall see. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd love to have them both in. Let's get some playoff runs going here in Denver because this town is so much fun when there's playoffs. You get Larimer Square decorated. You got jerseys and hats left and right, and I I love seeing them everywhere. So let's keep this momentum, Colorado. Absolutely. I'm here for it. Right on. So that'll do it for our Super Bowl edition of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, you know, give me some time off here. We get... We'll be back Thursday. I get a nice four-day break. I, again, like Look I said, that. I, this is my fourth show in five days. I'm I'm a little mentally drained myself. Yeah, and you're not even skating like the guys have, and you're saying they can get fatigue easily? <sighs> Come on. Just my mind skating. I got like a yeah. hamster wheel in my mind constantly. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Um, <laughs> a lot of sound effects today. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, you know, we'll see you on Twitter. Feel free to reach out to us. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page. We're slowly building momentum on that too. So hopefully by playoff t- time, that's buzzing, just like the Avs goaltending. So for everybody who made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. And we out you.